The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. It doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. Glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. I remember being skeptical back when I was in graduate school about the birth trauma. The birth trauma was a a stretching theory predicated on the idea that you went from a womb, which was a warm, quiet, safe place, relatively unstimulating in the sense that there wasn't flashing colors and all kind of brightness and sounds and noises and chaos. You're kind of like an interstate trying to emerge in L.A. And you went into this world that just assaulted you with hyperstimulation. And they speculated that that was traumatic, traumatic for the child. And, and they went further. They didn't stop at that was just traumatic. They they said that it led to some kind of deeply buried psychic trauma that would uh, manifest itself at some point in one's life. And I just I poo-pooed that thing up one side and down the other. First of all, there's absolutely no research to that whatsoever. You can't even study it. How do you study that? But then I realized... I realized looking back, there there could be some legitimacy to that. When I was two years old, my second birthday, I realized that I had just doubled my age in one year. And I thought to myself, if this keeps up, by the time I'm six, I'll be 90. No, I haven't worked out the math on that, but it sounds good. Nice to have you with me. I am not birth order traumatized. Actually, not birth order traumatized. Birth traumatized. I've got more things to be traumatized about as I've lived these years. Fortunately, not too many of them have done that. I'm delighted to be with you here on The Doctor Is In. It's a program that I ignore the literally dozens and dozens and dozens monthly of promo people, pieces, agents, etc., trying to get guests on this program. There are a lot of good Catholic radio programs that have guests, very, very knowledgeable, very stimulating, insightful, thoughtful guests. My guests are you. It's the way I want it to be. I want to talk to you about your circumstances, your situations, your life, the people in your life, your frustrations, those kinds of things. 
do what we can, putting our heads together and see if we can take a little bit of the edge off of some of it. Hopefully, my goal on this program is a cascade effect. You offer a thought or two that somebody can use, and then they implement it, and things get better rather dramatically, which is what you want. And we also have other reasons for people to call. They call because they want to help out somebody else, previous caller. We had a couple of those yesterday. They call because they want to lend an insight into their uh, living, their parenting, their thoughts. We had a fascinating fella call yesterday. He was an emergency room physician in China, communist China, for 16 years. And his observations and insights about the sad state, about the empty state of the Chinese people were fascinating. I could have talked to that guy for hours. I got his number, so perhaps down the road we may <clears throat> get him on the TV show. Speaking of the TV show, yeah, I got to start I got to start pounding the bushes on this one because the bigger the audience the better. The good lord permitting on uh November 15th and 16th, we will be heading to Wichita, Kansas, a place I've visited many times because they have that phenomenal family conference in Wichita where they have thousands of people. I have great book sales there, by the way. We got a lot of signups for people to come to the Wichita taping. The audience, uh, we will be, I believe, will be in a very, very nice uh, TV studio facility there. If you would like to sign up, we have two tapings uh, in the evenings. I think they start around 5 or 5.30, and the other one's at 7, something along those lines. But I'm not sure of the particular time. It's on the, it's on the website when you go to sign up. Uh, you can sign up for one, two, three, or four of the shows. Uh, bring the kids, bring the dogs, bring the goldfish, bring anybody you want. More in the audience, the better. The audience is part of the program. The audience asks questions. The audience applauds when they're supposed to applaud. Some of them don't. We remove those people. They're uncooperative. So if you go to Dr. Ray Show Wichita, and Dr. is D-R, D-R Ray Show Wichita dot com is where you can get the info, the times, the places, and the register. Now, I got to tell you, I'm going to mention this. This happened before. We get about a 20 to 25% no-show rate. Yeah, the people who sign up and then they don't come. Now, understandably, things can come up. I, I, I got that part of it, sure, certainly. But sometimes, I think people just decide on the night, ah, I know it sounded good when I signed up, but I'm kind of not wanting to go out tonight. If you sign up, please, please commit. It's very important. It's hard to gauge the numbers without, without the commitment. All right? Dr. Ray Show Wichita dot com dr ray show wichita dot com do you know moody p oh, wait a minute. i didn't give the number did i okay sorry about that i just noticed that eight seven seven fifty seven equal is the number eight seven seven five seven three seventy eight twenty five if you would like to get on to the program certainly want to hear from you are you or do you know people that you would label Moody. I'm sure pretty much everybody listening would say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know people who are moody. Or I myself am moody, I'll admit it, you might say. Do you ever think about 
the cause of moodiness? Now, moody means, basically for most people, kind of a rise and fall of mood on a relatively short-term basis. It can be down one day, up the next. Now, this is not bipolar. This is just a fluctuating mood. And you wonder, why Why is this? What? What is it that prompts someone to be in a certain state of emotion one day or one hour and not the next? What's happening here? Unfortunately, and this is not what St. Paul did, but this is what we all, all too human people do. We follow the philosophy of if good things happen, I'm happy. If bad things happen, I'm sad. Now, there's some truth to that, but it depends on how you define good things and bad things. It's easy to define good things as small good things and bad things as small bad things. I got a flat tire on the way to work today, and I was late, and I got behind, and so I come home in a bad mood. Now, that's kind of annoying or frustrating, maybe, but is it big enough to affect your mood? Better said, do you allow it to affect your mood? Or I uh, I went to that new store, opened up, and I saved $37 purchasing stuff that would have cost me a lot more. So I come home pretty jazzed up. Well, it's nice that you saved $37, but it isn't something so good as to affect your mood Kind of artificially, really. Don't you enjoy being around people that are even keel in their moods? That you don't have to wonder what you're going to get on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour basis? There is one way to really struggle against being moody, and that is quit giving so much weight to the day-to-day stuff that's ups and downs. That's easy enough done, isn't it? Say you get up in the morning and you're tired. You got you got five hours of sleep and, and you're tired. Well, it's one thing to be tired. It's another to be moody. You can be tired. But, oh, my son just walked in. That's, that's nice. Oh, hi, Pete. My son, Peter. It's one thing to be tired. It's quite another to let that tiredness affect how you react around other people. That kind of, I'm in a good mood because I got nine hours sleep. I'm in a bad mood because I got five hours sleep. I'm in a good mood because today's going to be an easy day at work. I'm in a bad mood because I anticipate it's not going to be an easy day at work. Moodiness can be dramatically controlled by altering how you label these events most of us fortunately do not have trauma in our lives on a day-to-day basis we don't have horrible tragic things happen to us and we don't win a million dollar lottery either most of us just have stuff in the day-to-day flow of existence we have stuff and because of that we allow it to affect our moods. We, we give it the power. 
to elevate our mood or to subdue our mood. Now, that might not be so bad if it's only you and your mood is pretty much observed by only you because nobody was around when you went down in your mood. But when you're around other people and, in fact, you allow those events to affect your mood, then you become unpleasant. People may enjoy being around you when you're up. That's natural. But they don't know when you're going to be down. So what do they do? Well, in defense, they retreat. If you're unpredictable, then I am more likely to not want to contend with your moods. 877-573-7825, 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call to get onto the program, unless you're in a bad mood and uh, you don't want to call in. This is Dr. Ray. Relax. The doctor is in. He is only one of four popes honored as the great. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. St. Leo I was Pope at a time when Roman civilization was being overrun by barbarian armies. He stood as a light in the darkness and even saved the city of Rome from destruction by Attila and the Huns. Leo died in 461. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you feel as though life is flying past you? Are you desperate for a way to find moments of peace and quiet? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to His voice, to the peace you are seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. Lord, Teach Me to Pray is free. Go to lordteachmetopray.com, click on the red box, order the Lord Teach Me to Pray series now. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. There was no single event. It was more gradual. You know, eventually you just don't go one Sunday and then you don't go two Sundays in a row. Then went through a divorce and um, ended up being a single parent. If I didn't have church or God, I, I, I would be back at that lonely stage, that trouble stage. Whenever you get anxious and worry about things, you just know that Jesus has it under control. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. Real nice to have you in this, Dr. Ray Garendi. At 20, we worry about what others think of us. At 40, we don't care what they think of us. And at age 60, we figure out they haven't been thinking about us at all. Thank you for joining me, 877-57-EQUAL. A couple of really, really uh, provocative things up there. Uh, Eric from uh, Boise, Idaho, which uh, I guess there's a movement in their town council to change Boise. Uh, because it's it's gender insensitive, uh, probably going to be called 
person see or people see or them see? Hi, Eric. How are you? I'm good, Dr. Dr. Grundy. How are you? Uh, nothing gaining on me that I know of. Well, no, uh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. So uh, I called you previously and uh, I was talking about my aunt who's very pro-death and all the transgender garbage. And I didn't go to her funeral, and you said I. You were saying I should have, but we got cut off at the end. And I, yeah. I guess I don't understand. I, like my family, some of my family members said the same thing, and I just I'm not clear on why I should go to a, like her church and everything was just all weird because it was one of those universalism churches. Eric, when do you decide? To avoid somebody's funeral. For example, if it was someone in prison that you know, a relative, and as far as you know, they were unrepentant for what they did, would you not go to their funeral? What about yeah. someone? Well, so then, so then you have to, first of all, you got to know the internals of people. Many sins are internal. Our Lord talked about that. You know, if you yeah. lust, if you lust after a woman in your heart, well, you're lusting after her, but you can't know that, Eric, or or the percentage of guys who are into pornography out there. You don't know who they are. You can't know. So in other words, what I'm saying is when you made that judgment about your aunt, you said she's flaky. She's got these odd ideas. She's weird. I don't want to I don't want to go to her funeral because it's going to look like I'm approving of her. You were doing no such thing. You were just showing respect for the family and you're saying I'm here to pay my last wishes. And you could even kneel down next to the casket if you're Catholic and say a little prayer for her soul. You could do those things. But when you start separating out who you're going to associate with, either in life or in death, because of that, now you're you're really, you're in an area of, one, how do you know, and two, how do you decide? You know, if, if I didn't associate with a lot of my colleagues and friends and acquaintances who are living very, very immoral lives, my circle would be down to a little dot. So I understand that. And like, uh, one of the biggest, I guess one of my biggest problems with her is she, during, and I wasn't there during this, she didn't do, she did it on purpose. Uh, she told my wife with each, and she told my cousins when they were pregnant. With each one of my kids, she said, "Pregnancy is really hard, but you have options." And like, so if she, if she's always watched, like, and that's the thing, she's a, so she's a fallen away Catholic, but so if she's walking towards X, and she slowly turns, and she's going towards A. <clears throat> Eric, do you hear what you're saying, though, my friend? Do you hear what you're saying? Yeah. You're saying, well. Yeah, I shouldn't do that. But in her case, this is what she did. So you're still back to I decide whether it's egregious enough for me to completely dissociate. And if hey, probably about half of the people I know, and I'm not talking about my close circle or family, are are pro-choice. They're pro-abortion. Yeah. Okay, I know that. So should I not talk to them? Should I not go to their funerals if they die? Should I not listen to them when they talk? I mean, if, if you start making those kinds of judgments and you essentially say, if I go to her funeral, 
I'm saying that what she said and did was okay. You're not saying any such thing. So, like, in this, I don't know, like, I, like, so she has the brother and sister, and, like, I called them the moment I found out she had passed. We were out of town at the time. And then when I got back to Boise, um, I stopped and I saw them. And, like, I was trying to, I was, try, I was there for them, and they never uh, needed, I guess, needed to see me or talk to me. And then, uh, and I, and I, I didn't do it to make anybody mad. I was just like, I don't. Eric, I, are I don't you a Christian? Think, Eric, are you a Christian? I, think, I am. And I okay, so then you, you don't follow their rules. You follow a different set of rules. Your so, rules, I, okay, your I, rules are to be decent to them, whether or not they're decent to you. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Okay, so, I, so I you're I, asking I, me, I, wait a minute, okay, I'm going to have to go to other calls here. I, I don't want to carry on too much of an argument. You're asking me my opinion, and I, and I think the church would back me up on this. I think this has been principal teaching of the church. If you had a right to basically say, this aunt thinks very different about life and morality and about faith than I do. So therefore, I'm not gone to her funeral. And you're saying to me, what do I think about that? I think you were wrong to do that. And furthermore, I think you conveyed a real bad image. And the image was, we Christians, we're every bit as prickly and judgmental as you people think we are. Because I just absolutely think you're, you're not living right, so therefore... I'm not going to do anything to show you any kind of respect. That's what I think happened. If I were in your shoes, what I would do, I'd probably go back to those family members and say, you know, I've been rethinking it. I was wrong to do that. I hope you accept my apology. That's what I would do, Eric, for certain. Thanks for the call. This is Dr. Ray, 877-573-7825. Now, Teresa from Eugene, or another male city, another male city. We got Boise and we got Eugene. I guess we're only going to take male cities today. Teresa from Eugene, Oregon says, what about this Halloween stuff? You notice, Dr. A, you drive down the street and you see more yards decorated with Halloween stuff than you do Christmas stuff. Now, what is this saying about our culture? Hi, Teresa. Hi. Yes, I know. I'm, when I, I'm an older woman. When I was younger, I mean, there'd be the corn stalks or pumpkins or whatever. And now we, I see two-story werewolves, partial skeletons, uh, skeletons hanging from a tree with a noose nearby on a tree. And I have five grandchildren and ten and under, and they come over and they trick-or-treat in our neighborhood. And it's like, I'm just thinking of all the concern with teenage suicides, and it's like, this is just awful, is the way I think about it. And so I didn't know if you have any suggestions on what I could do as a grandmother to kind of combat this or whatever or how to broach this with you know my son and his family or um, why are they putting this stuff in their yard no but uh well sometimes some of the stuff they put in their yard I'm concerned about yes and I'm thinking what about you know these kids when they grow up and I don't know and just also well, you want good news and bad news, uh, my, my Teresa? Name is much worse than what he has in his yard, but anyway. You want good news and bad news? Sure. Sure. The bad news is that is really reflecting a society that is becoming more uh, infatuated and more attracted to the dark. That's that's a given. That's that's the yeah. that's the natural direction 
of a society who says, let us get rid of this God who constricts us and we don't we don't like his moral system. All right. That's that's the bad news. Well, here's good news. It's kind of it's perverse good news. This is probably the least of the influences on your grandchildren. Your grandchildren, if you're worried about their well-being and the way they're being shaped, there are many more influences upon them other than one month of yucky Halloween decorations. Stay there, Teresa. I want to talk more about this if you would. 877-573-7825. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call to get onto the program. I'm Dr. Ray Gredy. What are some of the common temptations against prayer? The Catechism claims that the most common yet hidden temptation is lack of faith, which is expressed not so much in a declaration of disbelief as our actual preferences. For instance, when we begin to pray, a thousand labors or cares vie for priority. This is a moment of truth for our heart. What is our heart's true love? Do we call on the Lord just as a last resort? Or do we presumptuously call on him as an ally? In each case, the Catechism says, we have not acquired the disposition of the humble heart, which remembers the Lord's words, apart from me, you can do nothing. A presumptuous heart may experience the temptation of assidia, defined as spiritual depression due to lax ascetical practice, decreasing vigilance and carelessness of heart. As Jesus chastised his sleeping apostles in Gethsemane, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Heresy is not usually a matter of ignorance. It's a matter of arrogance. We're all ignorant. It's only about different things. And when I hear ignorant people say that they're stupid, my heart just breaks. I mean, to be ignorant is not to be stupid. Ignorance is fairly easy to remedy. It's a matter of learning. And St. Paul tells us to increase in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's confident that we can overcome our ignorance of Christ by getting to know him better. And so he prays for the Colossians. We constantly pray that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding and lead a life worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him and to be fruitful in every good work, always increasing in the knowledge of God. Ignorance can be corrected. One has to die to arrogance. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. You know, it's interesting because, well, let me give you the number out. We're about halfway through the program, and uh, this is typically, calls come in waves. And uh, typically we get to the certain part of the program, people say, you know what, I can call in, I got a chance. And you do, you really do. Everybody has an equal chance. So 877-57-EQUAL is the number. I am talking to Teresa, who has uh, five grandkids under age 10, and she's a little concerned about the macabre and the stuff that many people put out for Halloween, which is, uh, in, in many respects, pretty ugly, pretty dark. Teresa, you still there? Yes, I am. Thank you. I would ask either your son 
or even the kids, the older kids, I would ask, so what do you guys think of all that stuff? What about it? To bother you? Or you just think, oh, yeah, yeah, that's just cute. That's just cute trick-or-treat stuff. That's what it is. Find out Find out if they even pay much attention to it. Uh, find out what they uh, what they think. It scares them. Find find that out. Um, take. I was going to say, com- for the most part, it seems like they're fascinated by it. Like, oh, look at this! I want to go buy this house and see what, what new decorations they have up. And I'm thinking, oh, this is awful. Psychologists talk about something, Teresa, called negativity bias. Negativity bias basically says we are attracted more to the bad than the good. We are attracted more to the wrong than the right. And that's how news that's how news programs make their living. If it bleeds it leads, right? You've heard that. So for your for your grandkids to be fascinated by that stuff, it's kind of like these afternoon talk shows. You know, it appeals to the voyeur in us. We want to we want to see the pathology in these people. So you're right. It is natural, fallen human nature, that they would be more attracted to that than they would to a pumpkin with some corn stalks. Ah, boring, boring. You know, I remember once I had a, a, a an experience. Remember when the movie Jurassic Park came out? Yes. Now, they warned people, too intense, too intense for children. Do you remember that? Yeah, okay. I went there with my, my sister-in-law and my wife. We walked into the area lining up for the movie, and there were nothing but little kids all over the place with their parents. There was one scene where the Tyrannosaurus Rex bent down and bit this outhouse that a guy was in. Now, they didn't show you what happened to the guy. They left it up to your imagination. At that point, my wife and my sister-in-law both turned their heads away to not look. (laughs) There was a seven-year-old boy in front of me. You know what he said? Nah. Oh! Cool. Oh, is that cool? Yeah. And and I remember being saddened by that. Uh, I remember thinking, here are these older folks who have a natural aversion to that kind of ugliness. uh And the kids are inured to it. You're right. They they just, it becomes part of their world. I guess the way to to counter it, I hope, is if uh, you, you, you as a grandma read them good stories you as a grandma, when you take them trick-or-treating, they dress up as a crayon and not as a ghoul. Um, mm-hmm. You influence them as a grandma as best you can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the culture's not on your side, my dear. It's not. Okay. And I have learned to be at peace with that. You should see the, the ugliness of my world. So I've learned mm-hmm. to be at, at peace. Teresa, okay. thank you thank you so much, dear, for thank the call. Thank you. I appreciate you're, it. You're more than welcome. Thanks. By the way, Teresa reminded me. I am going to give you my coaching. Now, I know that the uh, trick-or-treating days are coming up for most of you. They vary. I've been pointed out by my producer man, Andrew Kruchek, that state by state, they differ. 
Some some are Sundays three to five. Some are as soon as it gets dark until you go back in. They, they vary. They vary all over the place. But the commonality to the whole thing is candy greed. All right, I'll admit it. I'll admit it. You should. I should put out on Facebook how much I brought in last year just walking around with my friend's children and learning how to say things like, wow, that's my favorite. And the women always go, oh, is it? Okay, well, here, why don't you take one? Uh, or... Or the folks who just put a bowl of candy out by the end of the driveway. I take one. I, I don't take a handful. I just take one. Those are the easiest. Those are the easiest. But I'll, I'll give you the techniques on how to maximize house-to-house effectiveness. Uh, got, I do have time. Um, let's go to Leonard. Um, you know, that's an interesting question. Hi, Leonard. Yo, Leonard. Yes, sir. How are you today? I'm doing fine. Thank you. You know, I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that stat. Pardon? I don't know that stat, the divorce rate for second marriages for devout Catholics. I was just interesting because I thought there would be something out there to find it, and I kind of looked around and haven't seen too much. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of telling somebody right now. I'll tell you the I'm divorce sorry. rate. I'll tell you the divorce rate for what would be considered devout Catholics, uh, first time around. With twenty percent, ten percent. Well, actually, it's under five, and and that is if if now the where I've heard that statistic is those who practice natural family planning, which would indicate that they probably are in line with almost all Catholic teaching. It's one indicator of that. They probably go to Mass regularly. They probably pray daily. They probably have a certain view of marriage as the ultimate life commitment. So all of those things enter into a divorce rate of probably under 5%. So if you have that divorce rate for first time, and then for whatever the reason of those 5%, they they break up that union, and then they quote-unquote remarry, which the church would say is not a remarriage, but they they connect up in some legal way with another person. Um, it'd be fascinating to know how that would affect their second time around, because if indeed they were in a marriage that was considered faithfully Catholic and they left it, what would that say about how they are now approaching the Catholic faith. On the other hand, maybe it was forced upon them. I've had clients like that, very faithfully Catholic spouses coming in and their spouse is divorcing them. And it isn't anything they ever thought would happen. So that's the question. Yeah, that's a good question. Why, this is something personal to you, right, Leonard? Uh, Yes, absolutely. I mean, my original marriage, you know, it was, definitely one-sided uh catholic you know on my side and you know my my ex drifted away and then i just started dating someone very very recently uh she is just as devoted as i am maybe even more so uh goes to mass daily was she married uh, before was she married before she was and she yep she went to the exact same thing you okay know, well she might levels, obviously she might have to look into 
uh, the possibility of, uh, of an annulment on that. Thank you, Leonard. This is Dr. Ray. Father Benedict Rochelle. I must tell you that from what I observe from very young people, all of these blasphemers, all of these mockers are in for a tough time. Because the devil bites his own tail. And I find among young people a growing reverence and longing for God. I find a decline in the cynicism and skepticism around. Because it had to destroy itself. No one can live on being an enemy of God. It's too crazy. It's too absurd. It's too dark. It's too bleak. God is beautiful. God is holy. Why in the world mock God? The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Do you have a bad temper? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. From the Old to the New Testament, Scripture speaks about us controlling our anger. Proverbs states that those of us with a hasty temper will make mistakes. We also know anger issues can lead to health issues. We can cause a fight, lose a friend, or witness to others in ways that are unproductive. Mayo Clinic suggests some ways to manage our anger and dial down the temperature of our anger. Practice deep breathing, maybe a personal timeout. Think before speaking. Calm down before discussing a concern. This will lead to less stress. Identify solutions and present them calmly. Try using humor or laugh at yourself. Humor can be a great diffuser. Most of all, if you have persistent anger issues at work or at home, don't be afraid to seek help. For more details on managing anger, look for the Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. that the years between 50 and 70 are the hardest. Because you're always asked, you're still asked to do things. Let's go do this, let's go do that. You want to go bike riding? You want to go cliff diving? And I'm not old enough to turn them down. But I'm too old to want to do it. All right, Claire from New Jersey. Well, my my moody monologue spurred something in her. Hi, Claire. Hi, Dr. Ray. Thanks for taking my call. You sound kind of young. <clears throat> no, really, I'm not. <laughs> wow, you sound like you're 30. No, double that. What? Yeah, you you are so youthful, and I hope that reflects the way you live your life. Thank you. I try. Sound like well, you also sound again. Now I'm just making a generalization on the basis of 12 seconds, but you also sound very zestful and positive. I am. And your husband's not. He really isn't. <laughs> Opposites attract, I suppose. How long have you been married? 32 years. Been this way the whole 32 years? You know, it it got worse and worse and worse. I started knowing his, noticing his moodiness in the winter months. Um, and now that moodiness comes any time of the year. Is it daily? It can last for days, but it's not 
I don't think it gets triggered daily. No. Can last for days. Sure, months. Yikes. Okay, now yeah. now obviously that someone would raise the question of a diagnosis. Uh yeah, he he does, you know, have I guess some depression issues, but he he manages it well. He he was on some medication at one time. He doesn't like to take it. Um, he gained a lot of weight from it. Um, he didn't like the way it made him feel. But um, he said he's always felt this way, even as a kid. But he really does manage it well. He, he really does. So you're basically saying, Claire, he's not necessarily a moody guy. What you're saying is temperamentally, he's kind of a a subdued sort of downer kind of guy. At times. What puts him him in a good mood? I don't know what triggers it. I really don't know. Everything will be happy, smiley, we're great. And then, oh, I don't know, maybe we can get into a, an argument, which we really rarely do, um, or I don't know what. And then he, he, the smiles go away, um, the conversations go away. So in other words, it's like you said in the beginning of your monologue. When people are moody, you, you, you tend to disconnect from them which I do because I'm not going to harp on him. Why are you moody? I've asked him. He doesn't give me an answer. I don't even think he knows himself. And so I just wait for it to go away. I've waited a day. I've waited weeks. I've waited, and I counted, eight months. So life goes on hold until all of a sudden he snaps out of it. And well, that's, no that's not moody. That either. Claire, that's not no. moody. Eight months is not moody. Uh, eight, eight, no. eight months is uh, either either his he has a depressive kind of personality, which I can't make that diagnosis from here. Either that, or he goes through spells of uh, cyclic kind of depression. And yeah. if he if he can't point it out, if he can't say there's a, there was a trigger, there was a precipitating event. This is what happened, and this is how I interpreted it. If he can't do that... No, he can't. Then it raises the question, is this some kind of cyclic thing that's happening to him, and and these cycles are getting longer as he gets older? I mean, I'm just throwing out speculations here. I can't yeah, know that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, 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 that sounds right. Mm-hmm. Now, it also longer sounds like... And sometimes more... More often, sometimes it, it lasts long, and sometimes it doesn't. If and in when fact, he snaps out of it, and when he snaps out of it, I don't even question it. I just, just move on like it's you, the next day. I don't give him a hard time. I just, I'm just thankful that now he's now. How long does he stay in good moods? Um, less often than his down moods. <laughs> Okay. Sadly, but does he you know, com- does he complain about uh, work, about people, about life, about politics, about religion? In other words, does he focus on the negative and that brings him down? I think so. But if 
I point that out to him. He he says, no, I'm not a negative person. But I, I see it. Okay. Well, there was something that occurred to me while you were talking is mm-hmm. you said uh, when we get into an argument or if there is some kind of irritant that happens mm-hmm. to him, it, it almost sounds like he has little periods of pouting. He pouts. He, he yeah. retreats. He could do that. Sure. Yep. Yep. Well, if you can get him to consider, perhaps, a psychiatric eval, and you ask him, do, do you like being in those states for weeks and months at a time, and that you don't seem to have the ability to pull yourself out of it? So, so given that, and again, could there could be if we if we were in my office, I'd be talking to you for two hours because I would want to get all kinds of specifics on how this depression manifests itself. But given all that, there is medication that wouldn't make him gain weight and that wouldn't give him side effects. And if in fact this is some kind of biochemical shift that goes on in his body, if that's the case, the medication would be almost a near miracle drug. I think so. It would. Now, if it's not, if this is a guy who basically can talk himself into being down and he focuses on the ugly and the negative and he interprets it in the worst possible way, then in fact, then it's not biochemical and it's just a a habit he's gotten. And as he's gotten older, the natural... Well, I'll ask him that. I'll ask him that. I'll ask him that. Do you, do you, kind of forcibly think darkly, and that it changes your mood? I think that's a good question. All right. I'll and ask how much? Him that. And how much does he dwell on it? That's it. That's that's like part said, of it. Like he's really he's really good about. He's he's very functioning. He's, well, he functions. Very, yeah, he goes to work and he yeah. functions, and but but. Yeah. But when he gets into his moods, he's kind of unreachable. He just You just sort of leave him alone. It's kind of like he's in his exactly. own world and he doesn't interact. Yes. Uh, yes. Sure. It's, it's a, if I was a different wife, um, there would be big problems. But I love him, and when he's happy, he he's clearly loves me, too. Um, well, hopefully, if you can appeal it from the perspective of, you know, we have so much to offer each other. Mm-hmm. And if you feel helpless when you get into these moods, there may be some things we can do so you can get back to your old self a lot more often. That's right. what I would suggest. I try. I Claire, try Claire thank you, honey. I'm past break. i got to run, but I do appreciate your call. Thank you so very much. This is Dr. Ray. Talk to you in a sec. Dr. Ray has more great advice coming up. Don't go anywhere. And that's a doctor's order. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. People have this false notion that after the Supreme Court came out with, of course, Roe v. Wade, 
and gave us abortion on demand through nine months of pregnancy. And all of a sudden, all of these regulations were put into place when all of these independent abortion facilities popped up all over the country when Planned Parenthood started opening its doors and doing abortions legally after 1973, that it was always so safe and wonderful. And they believe this because they don't see these stories about the botched abortions, the women who have lost their lives, the women who have been violated because their information has been tossed out in the street with the garbage and the medical waste. Not to mention the fact that the regulations that are on the books are not even enforced and rarely are these facilities inspected. And yet people think that they're so safe. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. A little bit of Charlie Brown as we're preparing. I remember the first time that little cartoon came out. That's not Charlie Brown? Well, it's Charlie Brown sound like. It's not the Charlie Brown theme. But I remember when that uh, show first came out, it was all exciting. I was a little, I think I was a little kid. And I just thought this is this was probably the biggest cartoon to come along in its in its time. And speaking of the great pumpkin, Tom from Omaha, Nebraska, KVSS Spirit Radio. Hi Tom. Hi. Here's my question. Um yeah, I'm counting on your great wisdom to give me an answer here. Uh, kids, <laughs> well, there you're counting wrong here, but that's okay. I'll let you slide. <laughs> okay. When kids go out trick-or-treating and parties and whatever, uh, you said today they should go as a crayon or something, and I know a lot of parents dress have their kids dress like saints and things, and that's all fine. But it's my uh, uh, question is if these kids dress up as these horrid creatures and all that, if this doesn't instill in their mind that these are horrid creatures, that's why they're dressing up in them, because they want to be as horrible and as as scary as possible. And so that it isn't really damaging to them. It just fixes in their mind that these things are terrible. What do you say? I think what it does, Tom, is it habituates them to it. In other words, mm. if... If that stuff, like like the example I used with my wife and daughter or sister-in-law, that Tyrannosaurus Rex was horrible biting that guy, but to the kid, it was it was cool. So in other words, I think what happens is, yeah, they want to scare other people with those ugly costumes, but to them, it's not anywhere near as scary as it would otherwise be because it's become so much a part of their life. That ugly mm-hmm. stuff is around them in so many ways. If you, for example, if mm-hmm. I go see a movie, well, the trailers, I look at the trailers and I think, my gosh, one piece of human ugliness after another, after another, after another. It's nothing but violent, vile stuff. 
And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, you know, the, the average audience for this is 16, 16, 16, 15, 14 year olds watching this stuff. Even if they go to see a halfway decent movie, the trailers are awful. So you're right. I think we have succeeded very much in habituating children to ugliness. And to them, mm-hmm. how you and I would react to this stuff and say, that's just vile. Their view is it's not vile. It's kind of cool, actually. And you can do that. Mm-hmm. You can immerse someone in that kind of stuff. And it's a human defense mechanism. It takes over. You just kind of get to the point where it doesn't bug you at all. It takes more and more and more and more to bug you. So I think you're absolutely correct on that. Okay, well, thanks. Uh, you've changed my mind. <laughs> well, I don't, by great wisdom, right? You said that to great wisdom. Andrew? Great wisdom. Mark that right. down for a bumper in the future. <laughs> Tom said great wisdom, and I didn't even force him to say that. He said it on his own. <laughs> Tom, I appreciate it. You know you got a great station there in KVSS 102.7. Oh, uh-huh. I know it. I know it. It's terrific place station right they've been around they've been around 25 years yes i know i was one of their first donors and first listeners oh thank you sir appreciate it you be well huh okay thanks so much all righty now i'm rather creative when i go trick-or-treating now i haven't missed trick-or-treating probably in 50 plus years i always find somebody that has young kids whether it was my brother who was 15 years younger than me, whether it was my own kids. My own, I milked my own kids for trick-or-treating for a long time. When you take out 10 kids trick-or-treating, do you realize what you bring home? We had a front-end loader brought in the candy and dumped it in the backyard. It was there two years later. We still weren't done with the bottom of that pile. And then the sad part of it is you get the daddy dish. The daddy dish is all the junk candy. That's the stuff that nobody wants. You know, it's the mounds. It's the coconut stuff. It's the hard candy. All the good stuff. The really good things. The caramellos and the Reese's and the Kit Kats. They, they won't trade you for that. So what I use, I call it the daddy tax. I get 14% of everything they bring in because they live there. It's exactly the way it was. My son Pete is right here now. He's next to me. He's 26 years old. Starting to handle some of my social stuff here because he's figuring, hey, Dad, we got to do something with you before you get too old to even present yourself reasonably well and i don't want to say i'm old but my most uh, recent birthday i was uh, 50 candles on the cake and that was a piece i had so just do the math there but i'm gonna do my thanksgiving or well yeah we're gonna we're gonna talk about thanksgiving and because you got relatives coming into town that you only see once a year and you wish it were less than that so we can talk about that but we will Definitely visit this whole trick-or-treating thing because there's a lot of folks that simply say not going to have any part of it. It's ugly. It's awful. It's terrible. It was an old pagan holiday, which in some respects it was, but it was Christianized as the Christians have done with many, many pagan things, which was a good thing to do. So all that said, I got to go. Number for your future reference, of course, is 877-57-EQUAL. And I appreciate very much this company. And Eric Dumont, thank you very much for that uh, that observation. I, I To say I'm shocked is understatement. Walk with God. And if you have kids, hold them tight by the hand because you'll get more candy on Halloween that way.
For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.